0: Welcome to the Shortwave Report. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. The Shortwave Report is a 30 minute review of news and opinion heard on the Shortwave Radio and the Internet in Northern California. Listening to international broadcasts at home is quite easy. You could use the Shortwave Radio with a schedule of English language broadcasts, or it's easier to use a computer or smartphone with an Internet connection. In today's edition, you'll hear reports from France 24, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, NHK World Radio Japan, and Radio Havana, Cuba. We will begin with France 24. First, press reviews from Brazil on the election of Lula da Silva. Pro-Bolsonaro truck drivers have shut down roads in many parts of Brazil. A press review on the critical election in Israel which, as of this moment, has just been won by Netanyahu. Then a press review on the United Nations conference in Egypt, COP 27, which begins this weekend, France 24.
1: Lula's at victory dominating the papers today, and Dipti is joining us here on stage. She's going to take us through it all. She's starting with the Brazilian papers, aren't you, Dipti? That's what
2: Bolsonaro's speech, a brief speech, albeit, that was followed by presidential palace staff quickly uh, putting away that uh, pulpit that uh, behind which he was standing. And that's the focus of Foya de Sao Paulo today. That's a, the picture, perhaps a lot more significant or symbolic uh, because it's on the front page, really, um, uh, that seals the end of Bolsonaro's very controversial time in office. Uh, the paper also condemns his attitude in not conceding uh, a victory, uh, calling it an act of institutional cowardice uh, Odia that's another Brazilian paper they've got a very uh, heartbreaking um, juxtaposition of pictures on its uh, on its front page today you have the uh, defeated face of Jair bolsonaro down here on the bottom of the front page but just above it is this picture here and that is uh, a picture of dozens of Rio de Janeiro inhabitants rummaging through the trash uh, to find food after a fire at a food supply centre. So uh, really a juxtaposition that speaks a lot about the dichotomy between those ruling Brazil and those living in Brazil.
3: The effort is minimal and the impact is immediate. There's been no words from the outgoing president, but on many roads across Brazil, lorry drivers have been staging their own response to Lula's win in the general election. With over 300 protests recorded by the police, it's a situation that's closely reminiscent of Donald Trump's defeat in 2020 that ultimately led to the storming of the US Capitol. We won't accept losing what we've gained so far. We want what's written on our flag, order and progress. We will not accept the result.
4: Bolsonaro was removed from his throne and we are going to put him back in power with the strength we, the lorry drivers, have.
3: Their protests have prompted security forces to block access to the Congress in Brasilia, where other groups have gathered. Many driver associations indeed back the current president, and a senior member of staff at Bolsonaro's campaign headquarters said his aides are urging him to accept defeat. To stop the protests from spreading any further. Several of his key allies have publicly recognised the result, and contact has been made with Lula's camp about the transition that's to come on the 1st of January. But the context is such that Lula is set to lead a deeply divided country. By receiving 50.9 per cent of votes, he's won by the narrowest margin since the country's return to democracy. Only his political actions will prove whether he can reduce the polarisation during his third term as president of Brazil.
1: Another election for you, Israel. It's kind of back to the future here. Election, the exit polls, as we've been saying, indicating that Benjamin Netanyahu is on the cusp of a comeback there.
2: Yeah, Netanyahu's uh, narrow lead after Tuesday's elections could signal a stunning come back and it is uh, unsurprisingly on the, the focus of the Israeli papers today. This is the conservative paper Jerusalem Post there, uh, looking at how Netanyahu is poised to win. But what's interesting is that the Israeli papers are also focusing on another man. That's Itamar Ben-Gavir, the leader of the far right party and a member of the Israeli parliament. His big gains during the election, his party actually coming in, projected to come in third, uh, puts him as one of the big winners of this election and he is the first. not just of the Jerusalem Post, but also Haaretz, the uh, center-left paper, which in its editorial today uh, see in uh, Ben-Gavir the premises of a, quote, right-wing authoritarian and religious revolution in Israel whose goal is to decimate democratic infrastructure. The editor is really pleading that Netanyahu will not get that majority, so uh, he's not able to form uh, what they call would be a nightmare coalition with this man here
5: making the the papers this morning. The COP27 is set to begin in a few days in the Egyptian resort town of Sharm el-Sheikh. And there's a lot of expectation for world leaders to, yet again, finally take concrete action on climate change.
2: Well, let's start with the Egyptian press and see, have a look at what they're saying. This is from the Egypt Daily News. This is an opinion piece written by Marwa El-Shinawi, who uh, basically today warns rich countries not to use the current geopolitical crisis, in other words, the war in Ukraine, to shirk their responsibilities towards Towards developing countries what's interesting is in the western press the focus is more on egypt's human rights records it is at least the case for the washington post today uh, the editors here urging world leaders not to lose sight of the despot and his political Prisoners. The Washington Post reminding us of Egypt's persecution of political dissidents, in particular one uh, man, Allah Abdel Fattah, a British Egyptian activist who's currently imprisoned in Egypt for his role in the pro-democracy movement that ousted former leader Hosni Mubarak. The Post saying that leaders concerned about saving the planet need to care as much about the cause of liberty in Egypt. And it is also the focus of the Lebanese-French language newspaper, L'Orient Le Jour, today, which is focusing on, in its front page, a, a portrait of life in Egypt under Sisi. It's, uh, they're running a series of reports about what life is like under Sisi, and in particular in the first episode that's in their edition today, how he has concentrated power into his own hands and really silenced dissent.
0: Those press reviews and report were from France 24. France 24 may be easily found at their website, france24.com, as well as on a YouTube channel called France 24 English. Next, Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. Palestinian leaders voiced concern that the return of Netanyahu could escalate conflict in the region. Students in Iran continue to protest against the Islamic Republic despite warnings. The Arab League is meeting for the first time in three years. Police in Brazil have used tear gas to disperse pro-Bolsonaro protests. The United Nations Security Council denied a Russian call to investigate allegations that the U.S. is developing biological weapons in Ukraine. The United Nations says glaciers in Yosemite and Yellowstone will disappear by 2050 due to global warming. Climate protesters are driven to daily civil disobedience until governments put the environment at the top of their agenda. South Korea and the United States have agreed to extend the joint military drills which North Korea is launching missiles in protest of. Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle. A day after Israeli elections that signaled a likely comeback
4: for Benjamin Netanyahu, senior Palestinian officials have voiced concern that the former prime minister's return could escalate conflict with Israel. Palestine Liberation Organization official Wassel Abu Youssef said the policies of Netanyahu and his right-wing allies would lead to more escalation of aggression and crimes against Palestinian people. More than 100 Palestinians and 20 Israelis have been killed in sectarian violence this year.
1: Students in Iran have defied warnings from authorities to stop protesting. At a university near the capital, Tehran, students chanted slogans against the Islamic Republic and its supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei. The protest was sparked by the death of a woman in the custody of Iran's morality police six
4: weeks ago. Arab leaders have gathered in the Algerian capital for their first summit for three years. The 22-member Arab League has been divided over a range of issues, including support for the Palestinians and a string of normalization deals with Israel. Police in Brazil, in the city of Sao Paulo, have fired tear gas to disperse protesters who've been blocking traffic to protest the election defeat of President Jair Bolsonaro. And this comes after the president's administration said it would begin to transition power to his left-wing rival, Lula da Silva.
1: The UN Security Council has denied Russia's call to investigate allegations that the US is developing biological weapons in Ukraine. Moscow has repeatedly made these claims. The US say the claims are a Russian propaganda tactic. Only Russia and China voted to approve the draft. The United Nations report says some of the world's most famous glaciers will disappear by 2050 due to global warming. Glaciers in World Heritage sites such as the Dolomites in Italy, the Yosemite and Yellowstone parks in the U.S. and Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania are likely to vanish in a generation.
4: Climate protesters are resorting to more and more extreme methods to get the world's attention. Amongst other tactics, they've thrown soup at uh, priceless artworks. Here in Germany, uh, environmental groups are blocking major highways and gluing themselves to the streets. Uh, Campaigners say they will commit to daily acts of civil disobedience until the government puts climate change at the top of its agenda. anger on
5: Berlin's streets. And these climate activists are the target. Drivers are trying to end this sit-in on a main Berlin intersection before it even gets going. The group Letzte Generation, or Last Generation, have become known for what they call disruptions. Often they block roads during rush hour. You're the worst, this commuter shouts. In Berlin, Last Generation have protested every day since mid-October they believe civil disobedience is the only way to get public attention. You have to get in the way to change things, otherwise no one will listen. Of course I'm afraid to sit here. I'm afraid of the aggression of being attacked and screamed at. But my son and children in general are worth the risk. The demonstrators today are all mothers. They say they're fighting to protect a new generation from climate catastrophe. To stop themselves from being moved, they stick their hands to the pavement with superglue. They say they're protesting for cheaper public transport and speed limits to reduce CO2 emissions in Germany. Germany does have a Climate Protection Act, but even the country's high court says it doesn't go far enough. 65 percent of Germans think environmentalism is important, but not everyone here agrees with this group's methods.
3: I have no sympathy. If it were up to me, they'd be locked up and hopefully run out of activists.
5: I was just stuck here two days ago. I'm like, guys, how many more times? It's just not fair for all of us. What's it got to do with me? I think democratic methods are better, but sometimes you have to be extreme. Members of last generation have stuck themselves to a display of dinosaur skeletons in a Berlin museum. And activists threw mashed potato at a famous Claude Monet painting, echoing a similar protest in London. Their civil disobedience has sparked a huge discussion here in Germany. Some people are calling for harsher punishments. So far the worst the activists have faced is fines. Berlin police say they're dealing with over 400 cases related to disruptions this year.
3: Every day, we reserve several units just for these protests. That means other types of crime and processing are delayed. And when we go home in the evening, we know that we'll come across the same people stuck to the street the next day. It makes you feel like you're working for nothing.
5: But the climate protesters say their methods are justified in a time of war, crisis and inflation. The climate catastrophe won't wait until we have time to deal with it, and all of these crises will only get more extreme with climate change. The police use sunflower oil to slowly unstick the protesters from the street. The activists say they're willing to accept fines or even criminal charges for their cause.
1: South Korea and the U.S. have agreed to extend joint military drills. That's after North Korea unsuccessfully launched an intermediate-range ballistic missile towards the Sea of Japan, sparking fears it could be preparing for a nuclear test. Pyongyang sees the drills as a provocation.
0: Those reports were from Germany's Radio Deutsche Welle, which may be heard at a combined audio-video website DW.com, as well as on YouTube at their channels called DW News and DW Documentary. Next, NHK World Radio Japan. In South Korea, over 150 people were crushed to death at a crowded street Halloween party in Seoul then several reports on the increasingly dangerous military actions in the Koreas. The week began with the North warning the South and the United States to cease their joint military drills. Then the South joined in launching missiles, and the U.S. announced an extension of the military drills. NHK Japan We start in South Korea, where the top
6: cop is taking responsibility three days after a deadly crush. He says crowd control measures were not good enough and is pledging to learn exactly what went wrong. Tens of thousands flocked to the Itaewon district to party on Saturday night. As the sea of people surged forward, many were crushed. The chaos left at least 156 dead and more than 150 injured. That night, there were many calls to police even before things turned deadly.
7: These were emergency calls talking about the danger and urgency of the situation before the accident occurred as large crowds had gathered.
6: The police head said he feels a heavy sense of responsibility and intends to conduct an intensive investigation. Some are already pointing to potential shortcomings Local media reports suggest the Seoul Metropolitan Police failed to respond to concerns such a large crowd could pose a danger. Others question why only 130 officers were sent to Itaewon, which is a small fraction of the 6,000 deployed to a political rally earlier that day.
8: North Korea's foreign ministry is calling on the United States and South Korea to stop their current joint military drills. In a statement... The ministry demanded an immediate halt to the exercises that kicked off on Monday. The drills feature about 240 aircraft, including cutting-edge stealth fighter jets. The Air Force drills, which will last until Friday, are the largest of their kind involving the two countries since 2017. Monday's statement says the situation on the Korean Peninsula and in its vicinity has again entered a serious confrontational phase of power against power. It says, if the U.S. continues with its provocative acts, North Korea will consider more powerful measures as its next step. But the ministry does not specify what these measures would be. The U.S. State Department says there has been no change to its policy of seeking the complete denuclearization of the peninsula. North
6: Korea ramped up its military provocations Wednesday, firing more than 20 missiles off its eastern and western coasts. One of them crossed an inter-Korean maritime boundary for the first time, prompting its neighbor to fire back. South Korea's defense officials say the North fired 17 missiles in the morning. Among them were three ballistic missiles launched from near the city of Wonsan. They say one of them crossed the maritime boundary called the Northern Limit Line, falling into international waters and within 200 kilometers of Ulundo Island. An air raid warning was issued across the island, and residents were ordered to take shelter. The alert was the first in six years.
5: This is extremely unusual and can never be tolerated. Our military will respond firmly.
6: The South Korean military says its fighter jets fired three air-to-surface missiles over the northern limit line toward international waters. The provocations continued into the afternoon, with the North firing around 100 artillery shells toward the east at around 1.30. And three hours later, it fired six more missiles. The series of launches comes as South Korea and the United States are carrying out massive air force drills this week. Pyongyang has repeatedly called for the exercises to be stopped. The Japanese government is on high alert over concerns North Korea could resort to more provocations, including a nuclear test. Officials say North Korea has been ramping up its ballistic missile program with nearly 30 launches so far this year. Those include an intermediate-range ballistic missile that flew over Japan last month.
2: In the studio, we have our former Seoul Bureau Chief Ikehata Shuhei. Uh, what is Pyongyang trying to achieve?
8: Well, um, as the North Korean leadership has said, this ramping up of its military provocation is a countermeasure against um, massive air force drills by South Korea and the United States, which has been going on this week. Um, Pyongyang has repeatedly called for this exercise to be stopped.
6: The South Korean and U.S. militaries have decided to extend their ongoing joint air drills following the North's latest missile launches. Their five-day exercise was scheduled to end on Friday. About 240 aircraft, including state-of-the-art stealth fighter jets, are taking part.
0: Those reports were from NHK World Radio Japan. They are now heard from 9.30 to 10 p.m. at 7355 and 6165. Or on the web at www3.nhk.or.jp. All the times I announce are for Pacific Daylight Saving Time, so please adjust them to your time zone. If you have questions or comments about this shortwave report, or could assist me by supporting this listener-funded program, I may be reached through the website and PayPal, or by writing to Dan Roberts at PO Box 1162. Willits, California 95490. Please help me continue producing this weekly show which I freely distribute to radio stations and the internet. We will conclude with Radio Havana, Cuba. After 20 years without being charged, a Pakistani businessman has been released from Guantanamo Bay Prison. The European Parliament has banned the sale of gasoline and diesel cars and vans by 2035. Five former European foreign ministers have published an open letter accusing the Israeli policies against Palestinians as a crime of apartheid. The United Nations says it will investigate the charges. Radio Havana, Cuba
7: The oldest inmates at the United States-run Guantanamo Bay detention facility in Cuba, Saifullah Paracha, has been released to his home country, Pakistan, after nearly 20 years of detention without trial, the South Asian country's foreign minister has said. The Ministry said in the statement on Saturday, quote, The Foreign Ministry completed an extensive interagency process to facilitate the repatriation of Mr. Paracha. We are glad that a Pakistani citizen detained abroad is finally reunited with his family. Businessman Paracha was arrested in 2003 in Thailand and accused of financing an armed group, but he has maintained his innocence and claimed a love for the United States. In May, the U.S. approved Paracha's release, concluding only that he was not a continuing threat to the United States. States. Like most prisoners in Guantanamo, Paracha, aged 74 or 75, was never formally charged and had little legal power to challenge his detention. The secretive U.S. military prison was established in the wake of 9-11 to hold suspected Al-Qaeda members captured during the invasion of Afghanistan in 2001. But of the 780 inmates held during the U.S.'s so-called War on Terror, 732 were released without charge. Many of them were imprisoned for more than a decade without legal means to challenge their detention. Nearly 40 prisoners remain in the world's most infamous detention facility, which has become a symbol of human rights abuses. Since it first opened, Guantanamo has become notorious for the fact that the United States administration did not consider its prisoners to be entitled to any protection according to international laws. The European Parliament and EU member countries have reached a deal to ban the sale of new petrol and diesel cars and vans by 2035. European Union negotiators sealed on Thursday night the first agreement of the bloc's Fit for 55 package set up by the Commission to achieve the EU's climate goals of cutting emissions of the gases that cause global warming by 55% over this decade. The European Parliament said, quote, The deal is a clear signal ahead of the UN COP27 climate change conference that the EU is serious about adopting concrete laws to reach the ambitious targets set out in the EU climate law. According to the bloc's data, transport is the only sector where greenhouse gas emissions have increased in the past 30 years, rising to 33.5% between 1990 and 2019. Passenger cars are a significant polluter, accounting for 61% of total CO2 emissions from EU road transport. The EU wants to drastically reduce gas emissions from transport by 2050 and promote electric cars, but a report from the bloc's external auditor showed last year that the region is lacking the appropriate charging stations. World leaders agreed in Paris in 2015 to work to keep global temperatures from increasing more than 2 degrees centigrade or, and ideally no more than 1.5 degrees centigrade by the end of the century. Scientists' even the less ambitious goal will be missed by a wide margin and less drastic steps are taken to reduce emissions. In an open letter to the international community published by the French daily Le Monde, five former European ministers have labeled Israel's policies against Palestinians as, quote, a crime of apartheid amid the ongoing killings and violence perpetrated by the Israeli occupation forces against the Palestinian people. The ministers declared, quote, "...we see no alternative but to acknowledge that Israel's policies and practices against the Palestinians amount to the crime of apartheid." They criticized the silence of the international community that, quote, "...failed to act in the face of serious violations of international law when it comes to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict." In the letter, the former EU ministers reminded the EU member states of their two-state solution to put an end to the decades-long conflict. Quote, "...yet the reality on the ground in Israel and the occupied Palestinian territory is moving in the completely opposite direction, and our inaction could have wide-ranging implications in the region as well as for the validity and efficacy of European diplomacy globally." The officials underscored that the international community has too often remained silent and failed to act in the face of grave violations of international law. The United Nations Independent International Commission of Inquiry on the Occupied Palestinian Territory says it will investigate the apartheid charges against the Israeli regime. The letter signed by former Foreign ministers of Denmark, Finland, Slovenia, France, and a former British cabinet minister. This takes a place amid current Israeli fears that the UN Independent International Commission of Inquiry on the Occupied Palestinian Territory does carry out investigations on whether to recognize Israel as an apartheid regime due to its ongoing atrocities against Palestinians. The UN Human Rights Council and international human rights organizations have accused Israel of apartheid in the past two years. Israel has killed at least 183 Palestinians since the start of 2022 in the occupied West Bank and the Gaza Strip, including 26 since
0: the start of October. Those reports were from Radio Havana, Cuba. Cuba's website is working well at RadioHC.cu. On shortwave, Cuba may be heard from noon to 1 p.m. at 15.140. And from 6 p.m. to midnight, at either 60660 60 or 6165. At their website, you can stream the English version at noon, Pacific time, Monday through Friday. One of my goals in producing this show is to encourage people to listen to international broadcasts to get a global perspective. You will have to look harder these days because of U.S. and EU prohibitions on media. Every Thursday evening, I post a new shortwave report at the website for this show. That's outfarpress.com. At my website, you can also listen to past shows. Please consider making a safe donation online through PayPal. There's a link at my website along with the podcast link. And get advice for listening at home. The shortwave report, which is now in its 26th year of production, remains free to rebroadcast upon notification. The shortwave report is produced and distributed off the electrical grid in Northern California using solar panels. I'm your host and producer, Dan Roberts. Thanks for listening.